wanted to pop in before the episode starts to give you a little update on um, what's happening over here. <laughs> um, so I have decided to swap episodes to drop every Monday now so you can start your week off right with witchy and weird shenanigans and yours truly. So get ready to see those in your feed every Monday as opposed to every Friday. <laughs> Hi, Witchy and Weird. Today, I'm here with Erin Monahan, uh, pronoun she, her. Erin is a trauma-informed, anti-capitalist mindset coach, certified trauma of money facilitator, astrologer, writer, speaker, and founder of Vesta Business School, as well as Terra Incognita Media. She's a feminist killjoy, proud slut, and podcast host of Off the Deep. Erin helps anti-capitalist spiritual entrepreneurs heal their relationship with self-worth, money, and resources so they can cultivate financial well-being without compromising their integrity. Hi, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Riv. This is such an honor and I'm a longtime listener, so I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> hey, I'm excited too. I think like I've been seeing a lot more people like stepping into these types of roles where like I help people like end these types of mindsets or like you know step out of capitalism or realize like they're not the problem and it's like other systems and so I'm like really excited that you're here I love having like all the conversations about this stuff yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. and like before we start and get into all the questions like if you could tell the listeners kind of like your story how did you get to this place um and you know what what it's like for you currently in your business and all that kind of stuff yeah totally so I also want to share before I start that I am based in so-called St. Louis Missouri and it is the stolen territories of the original stewards who are the Osage Miami and Ochetti Sokoan peoples and it's important for me to acknowledge this and just contextualize myself in this place and um, to point out that uh, that colonization is ongoing and so as a white person I want to acknowledge where I'm where I'm at and how I'm entering into this conversation and then of course this is going to go this is going to be interwoven into this conversation around like money and capitalism Mm -hmm. and all those things too as we get into it Um, but yeah I've learned I've learned from uh, indigenous educators, friends, colleagues that uh, people like Larissa Nez and Jolie Varela. So I just want to give credit and acknowledge them too. Um, Especially, yeah, Jolie Varela, who is the founder of Indigenous Women Hike, who has deeply influenced my work. Um, She uh, has taught me a lot about, or nearly everything that I know about ongoing colonization and um, the responsibility that I have as a white person to address and confront ongoing colonization and not think of it as something that happened in the past, but that it's something that is ongoing. And especially when we're talking about doing business um, in an, from an anti-capitalist approach, this is something that we consider 
through and through doing business on stolen land and uh, just to confront that on the daily. And one of the things that I learned from Jolie is that like something that we can do that's tangible is to donate. And I just want to share this in case, I mean, maybe this is stuff that you already know, or that like the people that listen to this podcast already know, but something that I, um, that I learned from Jolie, that's a tangible thing we can do is to uh, donate a land tax to the original stewards of the land that we're on or an organization, an indigenous organization or group that is local to where we're living and where we're at. Um, another way that we can move beyond land acknowledgement is to educate ourselves, of course, about the true history, educate our friends and family and boycott Thanksgiving or so-called Thanksgiving. And yeah, that's something that I've learned from Jolie as well. And so, yeah, so I hope um, to contextualize myself in that place, in this place and in this, in this history and ongoing process of colonization. Uh, and I encourage everyone to follow Jolie Varela and to support her work. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Cause I know that was a big, like, just like mentioning like where you are and what land you're on was like a big thing that like a lot of white people were like, Oh, I need to do this. And then I was like watching and learning from other like POC people and indigenous people. And they were like, you know, that's not enough. Like you can't just say like, Oh, I live here, like acknowledging it, but not being part of like the solution or repair or anything like that. So I love that you brought up like options for people to like, look at who is the stewards there like how can you donate reach out to your local tribes and like donate to them or like do something else besides just like saying it so I love that yeah totally yeah and um also before I get into talking about who I am (laughs) I or just you know how I got into this uh, got into this work I want to acknowledge that everything that I know and everything that I've uh learned uh the big influences of my work are black feminists and anti-racist educators, people like Erica Hart and Ebony Donnelly and um, Black feminists like Audre Lorde and Angela Davis, Bell Hooks and Toni Morrison. So, and and I wanna also acknowledge Kenya Budd who is a equity and inclusion consultant who's based in so-called Portland, Oregon. So these are all people that have taught me everything that I know. And uh, like when it comes to systems of oppression or, the work that I do, they, like their their education and influence is present in my daily life and in my work as an entrepreneur. So, and Toy, Toy Smith, definitely wanna shout out and give credit and acknowledge Toy Smith because um, who I'll talk about more later, um, like her work definitely influences my work around doing anti-capitalist business. So yeah, I just wanted to like name those things too that I'm not coming into this conversation as somebody who, just came up with these things on my own as a, as a white person. This is this is stuff that I've been taught and that I've learned um, and want to always give credit where it's due. Yeah, I love that. And those are all like amazing resources for people to follow. Like if they have their own business or if they're trying to like decapitalize or unlearn things, those are great. I love uh, Erica Hart. I love that. Yeah. So much good stuff, yeah. Oh my God, I know. Their podcast, Hood Rat, from hood rat to head wrap is like a treasure trove of information, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yeah. And so I, I am, I guess I got into this, into the coaching world from building a feminist and an online magazine, a feminist platform in response to the outdoor industry. 
So I am a rock climber and a runner, and I just noticed that the outdoor industry is full of toxic masculinity. And in 2015, when I started this platform, there wasn't any conversations happening in the outdoor industry, in the mainstream, at least, of course, definitely it was happening outside the mainstream as always, but it just wasn't um, like when you would Google things like feminism and the outdoors or, you know, um, justice, environmental justice in the outdoors, that wasn't a really big conversation happening in the mainstream. So I was really having a hard time finding people who were talking about the things that I wanted to talk about. So I started that platform. So it's called Terra Incognita Media. And then through doing that work, I've done, I started doing workshops like to address toxic masculinity in the outdoor industry and started having a lot of feelings and a lot of resistance to showing up and being visible. I, I couldn't figure out how to how to sell a magazine or how to sell my work and, and be out there and promote myself and got really burnt out. And, and uh, we, we were doing workshops. And so pricing the workshop and selling that and like trying to figure out how to do that in a way that aligned with my anti-capitalist values and aligned in a way that, yeah, wasn't like I was trying to be like not, not oppressive. And so how could I I was really having a hard time figuring that out and got really burnt out and then um, started learning more and, and looking into different resources as to how you could do business in a anti-oppressive way. And so then I, as I started learning and as I started to look into the systems from the lens of like learning about money and thinking about money and my relationship with money, I came across the trauma of money program. <laughs> and that was like, that was amazing. And so I, I got certified in that program and, and, and then I got into the coaching world kind of through that by, by learning how to build Terra Incognita Media and just getting burnt out and learning a lot about, yeah, how, how that even, how you even build something like that, that in a way that aligns with your values. And then I wanted to help other entrepreneurs who were also trying to do this work that can really demoralize you because you can just get so burnt out and and there's no guidebook so I decided to to start my own coaching yeah especially business. when you're trying to go against the grain right it's like even less like the guidebook all the guidebooks are going to say go with the grain go with the grain and you're gonna be right. like no <laughs> like I yeah. want to go against the grain and then you get really tired yeah oh yeah totally there's so much yeah, the, the coaching world is like, once I started getting into it, I was like, is this even a, like, is this where, you know, where are the coaches that are doing things in a way that are aligned with my values? Again, you know, it was like that another, another trying to find like the people that I resonate with in that industry too, because the coaching world is so full of people who are like smoke and mirrors and just really, um, just manipulative and exploitative so yeah <laughs> yeah definitely I feel like I've had my fair share of that I'm sure like some of the listeners I know we have like quite a few listeners that are like business owners and stuff and I think it's such like a I know speaking just for myself it's like it was a vulnerable spot because I'm like I want I don't know what I'm doing and I want to hire somebody that will help me and right. realize like all this stuff that I'm learning is not it's like burning me out, but it's also like very capitalist. And then you're like, wait a minute, that's like, I started a business, so I wouldn't have to work for a corporation. I wouldn't be like contributing to this as much as possible. And yeah, it definitely is like a lot of people realize like a big cycle of like just rebranding stuff and reselling stuff. So 
I think it's cool that there's like more and more people um, that are like coming up or like we're like finding more and more people as we're like realizing and unfortunately have gone through like bad experiences and then yeah. it's like okay people like you who are like okay wait a minute let's do it differently let's try and do it like with the least amount of harm as possible and yeah so it's really cool yeah totally there's so much unlearning and like I've I've found that things I did in the past I was like oh that's just something that I was taught or that I had picked up from other people and like that's actually a really fucked up way to do business like you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do that strategy or whatever so yeah definitely like it's so it's if anybody has um had that experience where they're like oh shit like that's that was really fucked up for me to do that tactic or something or that strategy in business it's like it's so much a part of the water that it's hard to to see it when you're looking for that like the how-to like the answer of how to do things and then you're like oh wait things that I was taught were actually fucked up so just to have compassion for yourself and that you can, there is a different way to do it and you can, yeah, it's okay to grow and to change. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely like my mentor, when I first started, she was like, you know, friend as many people as possible when they friend you, like just message them, say hi, like be like, you know, open, like don't directly sell them anything because that's weird, but just like start a conversation with them. And then if they're interested in like what you're doing, then sell them. Right. I'm like, even that, like when I was doing (laughs) it, it felt weird. Yeah. She was like, you're going to have to practice. It's going to be weird. You have to learn how to like pitch and sell yourself. And like, I just felt like so awkward the entire time because I'm like, yeah, person, I'm not one to just be like, hey, like, who are you? Like, I don't even know. And so I learned like somebody was like, you know, this is kind of predatory. And I was like, oh, and then I realized like, wait a minute, this isn't okay. And I stopped doing it. Yeah, I feel like a lot lot of people have had similar stuff where it's like, oh, you have to sell it this way. And then you realize like, you feel like this weird feeling in your body the whole time, but you're like, maybe I just don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just going to keep trying until it's normal. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's so confusing. Cause I mean, something that I also say too, is that when it comes to, that is such a, that's so related to like what I work with, with my, with clients is that like feeling into our bodies and, and, and tapping into any feelings that like, if it feels bad, like, or, or like what is intuition and what is like, um, just like a, like, what is, yeah, just figuring out like kind of that discernment of like, what is something that we're having resistance around that is like actually resistance because it's not something that we should be doing. And like, that's our intuition saying like, no, that's not, not what we should be doing. Or is it like, oh, I'm just not practiced at this. And like, it's going to feel uncomfortable. So like you naming that it's like, oh, well, yeah, there is a, there is a way that we are, that we can often be like not comfortable when it comes to like selling things. Cause that is a part of having a business and that there's nothing wrong with selling. And, but yeah, having that discernment around like, what is predatory, what is manipulative and like, what is like, when we can listen to that feeling in our body, that's like, this is gross, uh, which yeah. And then when it is actually something that we can just kind of acknowledge oh this is uncomfortable because I'm not practiced at this but yeah that's yeah it's 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 hard when you're having someone who's supposed to be someone who's a mentor telling you that like that you're supposed to trust them and they're telling you to do something and it's like oh but this is fucked up like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so okay before we like keep going into (laughs) yeah Um, so we wanted to talk about like money trauma and stuff, and you talked about like getting certified in this kind of work. So 
what do you like define money trauma as, or how do you work with it? Um, like, and then kind of like, where can we get it from? How do we learn to identify it? I know that's like three questions. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So yeah. So I think, so money trauma is just like any kind of trauma and it's, um, trauma can be something that's acute, like that results from like a single incident, like a car accident or an assault, or it can be chronic trauma, like, like housing insecurity or living in capitalism. And then there's complex trauma, which is an exposure to varied and, and multiple traumatic events. And like when it's like living within systems of oppression is traumatic. So living within white supremacy, capitalism, ongoing colonization, imperialism, these are all traumatizing systems that we live within. So uh, money trauma is basically living within a system that doesn't provide us with the resources that we need and it can have an impact on the way that we relate to our finances, relate to our money. And something that trauma, like when we think about trauma, I, I used to think about it as like something that only war veterans have, mm -hmm. but actually trauma can be something that is so seemingly subtle. Um, it could be experiencing emotional neglect when you're younger. It could be like not being validated, but not, not feeling seen. Uh, and when we're, between the ages of zero to seven, we're, we're like sponges. And so when we have uh, primary caregivers that aren't providing us with all of the things that we need, like for example, for me, when I was growing up, I was privileged to have the material resources that I needed and the physical resources that I needed. And my parents did the best that they could, but looking back and after going to therapy and, and investing in somatic experiencing and, and, and um, healing modalities and things like that, I've looked back and realized that I didn't get the emotional support that I needed. And so that could, that could, that's a trauma. So there's different ways that trauma can show up and it's often not as obvious as we might think it is. Mm -hmm. And so then um, I like to talk, I like to talk about attachment theory because I think that's, um, are you familiar with attachment theory at all or like? What? Yeah, yeah, I have avoidant attachment. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, I'm really influenced by Sylvie Kuk Kajan's work on, I don't know if you've looked at her stuff or her work or whatever, but um, she's taught me a lot about attachment theory. And um, uh, so, so to, so I lean towards anxious avoidant attachment style. And I like to kind of say leaning towards, which is what Sylvie does too, because we don't want to like box ourselves in because we're also dynamic people and we can have like, it can show up in different situations. Like you can be secure in one situation or relationship, but then it might not look that way in a different relationship. Um, but I do tend to be more anxious um, leaning. So, so yeah, so that usually sets itself in within zero to seven is when we might develop, um, we all develop an attachment to our primary caregivers. And depending on what we were, what they were able to provide us with, we might develop a more avoidant leaning attachment style. Um, and often that looks like hyper-independence and um, repressing our feelings and uh, just feeling like we can't ask for help. Yeah. And um, 
disassociating from our bodies. Right. Like you could tell describing my childhood. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. And, and, um, what people might call being parentified for Mm -hmm. some folks. And, and then also then you have the, like people who are like me, who lean towards anxious attachment, who, feel very dysregulated or insecure when there's not a constant attachment physically. Like if the person leaves, if your parent leaves the room, if the, ch- if the child, the parent leaves the room and the child is going to feel completely at a loss and, and terrified and scared. And, and um, it just, it results an anxious attachment style of results from a, the, the parent not always being there. Like sometimes they're there, sometimes they're able to meet the child's needs, but then sometimes they're not. So there's this kind of like insecurity that can develop about around that where it's like the child doesn't know, like, is my parent going to be there for me? Or are they going to dismiss me? Are they going to validate my feelings? Are they not? Are they physically going to be there? Are they not going to be there? So yeah. And then um, like, if it's like inconsistent too, like, I don't know how they're going to react today versus tomorrow. And so I'm anxious about like, what's going to happen? Like, will they yell at me? Will they be proud of me? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so then the way that I would, so then the way, if we can apply, I would, I would recommend everyone look into attachment theory more, but, um, the, the way that we can apply that to money trauma is that might look like not wanting to look at your bank account. If you are like being avoidant towards your finances and just, you know, like, I'm not going to look at that bill. I'm going to pretend like it's not there. I'm not going to look at my bank account or an anxious um, leaning folks like me might check their bank account all the time, or they might be in their head, like um, very feeling like hypervigilant around their money and always worried about it. And, and just in a spiral of like thinking over like hyper activity in their brain and, and thinking about it constantly, thinking about their money uh, constantly and, and worried about it. So an, a hyperactivity versus like almost like a hypoactivity. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like I have like some anxious stuff, um, in my money. Like I'm always like thinking, okay, if I spend this and I make this money and I do that and then do that. And I think it's also really hard for people to not be in that if they don't have like the resources, right? Like if they don't have, they don't make enough money in their job or like, they don't have a job or, you know, like different things like that. Then you're like, constantly yeah. like, oh, I need to move this over. I can't buy this because I need to save for this. And so it makes it hard to like break out of those cycles, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So um, there's more than just the two, right? There's avoidant, anxious. Isn't there like two other ones? Yeah, that there's secure and then there's fearful avoidant. So okay. fearful avoidant is kind of like a... I would just, I kind of imagine it as like a mixture of the two um, and secure would be like, you know, you're, you got your needs met to the best, like for the most part growing up and um, you can respond to stressors in a way that uh, you, it doesn't completely throw you off if there's some kind of a stressor, if con- like usually if, if there's a conflict with someone, you don't, um, like your world doesn't come crashing down that were to happen yeah so then um that's I think you pretty much described like so this would be like good for people to see like okay so how do I feel about my finances do I tend to like avoid them do I tend to like overthink them and then what do you do like 
once you're like, okay, yeah, I think I'm like anxious attachment for, for like my finances. Yeah. So I, okay. I wanted to make sure that I hit some things. So I, I took notes if that's all right. I'm just yeah. going to make sure that I, um, cause I just want to make sure that I, I hit some things. I know that, um, so a lot of this can show up like money trauma can show up as it, it could be like overspending or underspending. And that's something that I think for me, um, really ultimately when it comes to healing our money trauma, it's, it's, yeah, it's just being aware of our habits. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, there are two main things that I wanted to hit on. So let me just really quick. Yeah. Take your time. I know <laughs> everyone's different. And like, I'm, I have like three Gemini placements and I'm Sagittarius rising. So I can just talk about shit out of my ass. Like <laughs> I, I would do like presentations and just be like, blah, blah, blah. but I know like some people are like, no, I, I'm going to forget what I said. Like I need yeah. stuff and I need to make notes. So I totally get it. It's, it's different for everyone. Right. Well, I'm a Virgo rising. So I'm like, I wrote. Yeah. You're like, I need to, <laughs> if I didn't say it, I'm going to like be mad for 24 hours at myself. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Gotta do it justice. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So basically the two main things that I want to hit on when it comes to healing our money trauma is addressing shame. Mm-hmm. And, and then also uh, I'm going to share and talk about the window of regulation, which is mm-hmm. like been a huge tool that I learned through the trauma of money program that has really helped me. Have you heard of the window of regulation? Yeah, we talk about it. I don't call it the window of reg- regulation, but we talk about it on the podcast. Like, like I said, like your threshold for tolerance, basically. Yeah, right, right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. totally. So that's basically it is, is like, you know, healing is simple, but it's not easy, but it, we can, we can create ease for ourselves, but it's not easy. That's for sure. So ultimately when it comes to when it, yeah, if we're thinking about wanting to move towards a secure relationship with our finances, a secure relationship with our partners or family or whoever it is, it's all about creating an embodied, as much as we possibly can, working towards creating an embodied experience with ourselves, like returning to our bodies because capitalism and white supremacy and ongoing colonization and imperialism strip this connection that we have to our bodies. And they, it, the systems want us to be in our heads. So, uh, so my approach is through somatic experiencing, which is some somatic soma of the body and going from the bottom up versus a top down approach. And I went to talk therapy for two years without missing a week. And it was amazing. It was really helpful. And that's more of a top down approach, but I also found that there was a limitation to that. So learning about somatic experiencing and having now taken courses through somatic experiencing institutions and then taking uh, the getting certified in the trauma of money program has completely changed and, and taken my healing to the next level. (laughs) I mean, we're never healed, but you know, it was just, that was what I needed. That really unlocked a lot for me because I understand, because then when you get to the point where you're like, Oh, okay. Now I understand that. Like I, I can intellectually understand these trauma patterns or these trauma habits and I can identify when that's showing up but what do I do like now yeah. like and that's kind of a really shitty place to be in is when I I mean I experienced that when I was like okay I know intellectually what's happening but I don't know how to help myself right now yeah 
yeah. Or you're like, okay, I've observed myself and how I feel towards my money and how I act in my relationships. And that's not really changing anything. Like, why isn't it fixing itself now that I'm aware? Cause like, it's, it's only like a percentage of that healing process is knowing. And then, yeah, it's, I, I do the same thing like with my clients, like the next step is like getting in the body. So I love yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And it is a lot of feeling shitty at first when mm-hmm. we're a, a, like just trying to even the fact that you're just, you know, if you're never, if you've never even thought of, of having money trauma, even just becoming aware of it can be such a huge thing. And so just making sure you're going slow and taking care of yourself and allowing yourself that process because it's not overnight and it's all life, you know, like any other, it's a healing process. So it's going to be a lifetime process. And it really, I thought that once I got to a certain point, I would start feeling really great and awesome and all my problems would go away. And that's, that's not the case. Like I don't. And I think that's also, um, it, that goes, that goes into, um, the idea that happiness is something that the the trauma of money program also talks about how we are the society that we live in is obsessed with the idea of being happy and that happiness is this like end all be all and if we're not always happy then there's something wrong with us but really that's what's keeping us that's part of what's keeping us on this uh like the the rat wheel of like or like the on this chase for dopamine is that we're always looking for that next high or that next hit so we'll we'll for me I would deal with my depression by going shopping or something like that because I'm like there's something wrong with me if I'm not feeling good or there's something wrong with me if um so we would I would go shopping and and consumerism and capitalism makes us think that if we buy more things or if we spend more money we can find the solution to our problem and that is the trauma of money too, is that the way that it shows up, going back to what I was saying about overspending is one of the ways that it can show up is by feeling feeling depressed or feeling sad or feeling anxious and, and seeking out a way to fix it, quote unquote, by, by spending money on something. And then I would always have buyer's remorse and then hopefully could return it if it wasn't an online purchase. But yeah, that's, uh, that's our, that's our brains trying to get the hit of dopamine. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that it's, it's totally natural, but our society keeps us in this very dysregulated place where we're either, yeah, the, the hyperactive, um, a lot of us are operating from a hyperactive place. Most of our lives are hypoactive and we're shut down or we can, uh, we can definitely fluctuate between those two extremes. And, something that we want to do is to help ourselves as much as we can to be in that window of regulation and in that place of groundedness and calm and, and find a way to make more cognitive discerning choices from that place versus in this hyperactive state, which might uh, cause us to, to spend our money on things that we, that aren't really the best for us, maybe that in, for the long-term, for our long-term financial well-being and health. Yeah, that was a lot of different things. No, that that's I just fine. so. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think I kind of realized that too. That like, I think it, it. I mean, what you're what you're touching on is like it's all intertwined. It's all interconnected, and that's why it's like a, a lot of pieces moving at once. Like the whole like consumerism culture. It's like 
you know, we're, like you said, we're, we're taught like buying things will fix our problems. Like we see that like a lot in the self-care industry. It's like, oh, you're not taking care of yourself by a face mask. Like, right. And it's like, that's not going to make my depression go away. Like it right. skin feel nicer, but that's yeah. about it. And like, we see that too with like the, um, we want like the instantaneous, like fix the easiest fix, the quickest, like we're, we're like sold that, you know, like it's, in, I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist, like it's everywhere. They're doing it, to, but it's like, <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. Like I've seen like all those studies, how it's like our attention spans are are lower because we're used to watching like smaller videos or like there's commercial right. every X amount of minutes. Absolutely. Like, that teaches us like it needs to be quick. It needs to be right now. And so if we don't right. have those like understandings or those tools or coping mechanisms, then we're like, okay, I, I feel bad. So what can I do to feel better immediately right now? And then we buy a thing. We we buy the thing that makes us happy in the moment. And then, you know, we get it. It's like, cool, but it, it didn't like the root of the issue of why we weren't feeling happy or why we were feeling whatever we were feeling that we didn't want to feel anymore. It doesn't go away. And I think yeah. that's kind of like what you're like saying is, you know, we have to recognize like all these different systems going on. And then the healing part, like that's um, what you were saying. I've been seeing that a lot more, or I feel like I've been saying it a lot more to people like that healing is a practice. Like it is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, we're learning how, like you said, to widen our threshold. We're learning how to tolerate more feelings, better things for ourselves, you know, all this type of stuff. So that when big things happen that are really hard, we can like move through it. It's not like, going to make it go away and we never feel like the trauma that happened or we never feel the fear or the anxiousness or whatever it's like okay I recognize right now that I'm feeling really shitty and I'm I recognize I'm going towards that coping mechanism of buying this cool shirt and maybe I'm not going to buy the cool shirt and I'm going to ask myself why am I feeling really shitty right now you know like that's Mm -hmm. definitely like the second what else yeah yeah like what else could I do instead of buying that shirt but yeah like I I have to resource myself that like uh, what we're talking about here then would be like, what do we, how do we resource ourselves then in that moment, if we want to buy that shirt or if we that we don't, that we know logically, like we probably don't need or, or, um, I don't know. Yeah. Or buy the plane ticket to that destination or something. I mean, that's cool. Like I'm all about like, I mean, truly though, like, as I was telling you before, I'm a Libra, so <laughs> not to box myself or anyone else in, but I love, shopping. (laughs) I love Target, but like, I, um, I also am not trying to like promote a corporation or anything, but I'm just (laughs) saying that like, I have to admit, like, it's hard for me to walk into a Target. Now it's, now it's much better, but I, you know, growing up and everything, like I, I loved going to Target. That was like, that was the highlight. And then, um, but, but realizing like, wow, my body feels overwhelmed and heightened and overstimulated at a target or at the mall or whatever growing up and how like you're saying this the society like is it it pre it sets us up sets us up to have these responses to want to spend our money and to feel like we can have that quick fix and so how can we be more mindful about what's going on in our bodies and I if I go into a target I um resource myself and I I check in with myself and I'm I take a couple deep breaths I'm like Aaron here's what's on your list (laughs) and then whenever I leave I'm like cool you only got what's on your list that's great or um wherever it is you know or uh but yeah so resourcing ourselves would look like 
taking a few moments to, to think about whatever it is you want to do or the choices you're about to make, whether it's an online purchase or you're walking into a store or you're going to thinking about buying a course or a class. Like I want to, um, I want to invest in my, my knowledge and in my education. Should I buy this course? Should I buy this workshop or something like that? Or should I work with this coach or something or whatever it is? Um, sleeping on it, taking time, like not buying into the sense of urgency that white supremacy culture wants us to buy into, going for a walk. For me, being outside mm -hmm. helps me to kind of clear my head. I like running and moving my body to, to resource myself. I mean, yeah, and things like taking a bath, that is part of, that's part of resourcing yourself. Sometimes we just need to eat. Like <laughs> when we're talking about re regulating our nervous system, Oftentimes when I'm feeling anxious, I'm, I know that after I eat something or not all the time, but a lot of the time I'm like, wow, I was just, I was just hungry. And I went way too long without eating. So I'm way more mindful about, I need to be eating snacks <laughs> throughout the day and, and then meals too, you know, just not ignoring our body's needs, which is something that can happen when we become adults that um, felt like we, you know, when we don't get our needs met when we're growing up, it's really easy to ignore our own needs and, and abandon ourselves when we're older. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. Can, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really like that. Those are all like really good, like examples for getting into your body. Cause I think like the somatic part of it is like severely left out in a lot of teachings and yeah. everything like when we're growing up and we don't realize like actually my body is like really important in this equation like I, I so I have um I would do like emotional eating that was like one of my coping mechanisms for my childhood and my therapist was like you know every time like you want to eat that like thing like drink a glass you know drink a sip of water like then ask yourself like am I still hungry like is it actually because you know you were trying to like teach yourself it's not hunger right. Like I'm trying to fill an emotional need immediately, instantaneously. And so I'm going to eat this thing. And I think that type of like that simple like example kind of is like exactly what a lot of people are going through and what we're talking about. It's like, do I need to buy this right now? Or could I tap in with my body and see what's going on in my experience? And I love that you brought up being overwhelmed in a store because I think we take that like for granted like that mm -hmm. probably like a lot of people are overwhelmed all the time by a lot of things right. um or we had like a fight or flight trigger response and then we had to like go to the grocery store anyways because we still need to get groceries even though we just had a fight with somebody or something and it's like right not realizing that we're like overwhelmed yeah I, like it seems so simple, but it's like, actually like ask your body what's going on, like seeing all these colors and all these products and like huge stores and things like that. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's something that came up for me on a really horrible Tinder date recently <laughs> that I'll never see that person again, but <laughs> they, uh, yeah, we were talking about, well, uh, we were, it, yeah, the whole the whole interaction because uh, I was I was noticing my body in the conversation, right? And that's something that I practice all the time now. But that's not something that I practiced or was taught to practice when I was little. But just even when we're having conversations with people, it, even when we're um, yeah dealing with our finances or looking want to make a choice to look at our bank account in the, that day or today or something, 
is to tap in if you can with your body and, and just see how it's feeling and notice what you notice. And so um, I was noticing that I was being, I was getting shut down in this conversation on this Tinder date and um, just, just acknowledging that and, and listening to that and something, because that's something that we're taught to ignore are those little cues that our body is, is giving us. Like you're, like you're saying, when it comes to going into a grocery store and not taking it for granted that we feel like really like practicing throughout your day, checking in with yourself, checking in with your body to start that practice of being in relationship with your body, being in relationship with your nervous system or however, however you want to relate to it. Um, but yeah, cause we do take it for granted and it's something that I've been practicing listening to more instead of being like, Oh, I'm just overreacting or, Oh, it's no big deal. Or like, look at all these other people, like they're doing it. It's fine. But yeah, I think we do. I mean, we definitely, or for many of us, we are operating out of trauma because trauma is ultimately stuck energy. And we live in a society where if we experience trauma as kids, because a lot of us did, I don't know who hasn't experienced trauma, especially living in capitalism and systems of oppression, white supremacy, patriarchy, like there's no, I don't believe that there's anyone on this planet that hasn't experienced trauma. So, and we don't have a society that allows us to take the time space and provides us with the resources we need to be able to process that trauma which is ultimately stuck energy and stuck energy needs to be discharged so if you think about like um peter levine who is uh does somatic experiencing teaches about somatic he's the founder of the concept of somatic experiencing uh gave this example of like in the wild when a deer is being chased by a predator it will either freeze or you know there's uh flight fight flight fight fight freeze or fawn so sometimes you might need a freeze in in the presence of a threat if you're detecting that there's a threat happening or um and then when the threat passes then you can relax you can breathe you can um an animal might you know just relax or hang out or something or just and and discharge that energy or oftentimes there might be a chase. And so then you would need to flee. But in that, in that movement, in that fleeing, in that running, like that's the discharge of energy almost is that there's like this, this, the, the animals, animals are able to, to move through that stuck and move that energy. So it doesn't get stuck uh, mm -hmm. is the example that he gives. So for us, if we can apply that to ourselves, like we're operating in a world where we're not able to release that that stuck energy. And um, so whether it was something that we experienced as children or something that we experienced chronically throughout our lives, like housing insecurity or sexism, racism, transphobia, like these are all things that are constantly traumatic. So if we don't have the time, space and resources to, and the knowledge too, because we might just even if we do have the time and space, no one, who's going to tell us that this might be happening? Who's going to help us guide us through that process of healing? Because healing happens in relationship. Trauma happens in relationship, but healing can happen in relationship. So we can't do this alone. Yeah. Yeah. So what is, so what advice would you give to somebody who's like, okay, I'm like kind of aware of like my, my habits and like my attachment or like my trauma um, but maybe the somatic stuff is like new for them and they're like, okay, how do I start? Like, cause you were saying like, 
you know, tap in with your body? Like, how does one do that? Especially if you're like, I'm starting from a place of like, not even knowing the cues that my body is giving me, like how you were saying, like, oh, I should do this more like, oh, just suck it up. Or like, maybe I know, like for me, when I was growing up, like it was the norm for me, like my threshold was like being always chaotic, being always stressed, being always feeling unsafe. And so Mm -hmm. like when I was in other spaces, it didn't seem like weird to me to be unsafe. Cause I was like, my body was like, I'm used to that. Like I've right. lived in that for so long. So it's like, how, what advice would you give to people for like, okay, so how do I start listening or tapping in or understanding what those cues are that my body is giving me? Yeah. I love that you bring that up because our bodies are intelligent and brilliant and the way that we've coped and served to, and the things that we've, the coping strategies, if you want to call them that, uh, throughout our lives are things that have helped us to survive. So not shame ourselves for these strategies that we're noticing maybe aren't helpful for us anymore, but that these are things that we've developed from childhood, most likely that allowed us to get to where we are now. So not shaming ourselves for that. And if you're recognizing that you're having, okay, so let me back up. How would you, if you, if you've not, you know, if you're having how do you conceptualize like feeling your feelings basically or getting into your body yeah tapping into that would look like I guess I would conceptualize it as like dipping your toe in first like you don't want to completely overwhelm yourself and if you are in a place like you're at or like not that you're there now but that you were saying this was like a hyper you're in a hyperactive state like myself as well like I was definitely there for a lot of my 20s and um it, it just it ha- it's going to happen very slowly so even just like if you know because we live in a society that is so in our heads that's maybe the first step is the best way to kind of enter into this is to just start thinking about it like considering just taking the first step to consider that you have money trauma and, and wondering about it and thinking about it and thinking, where would that be, where would that be showing up in my life? And then when you're maybe paying a bill, seeing if you can tap into your body for a minute. I mean, yeah, that's a very vague phrase, like tap in, but where in your body, like, does it feel like, do you feel, what's the temperature of your body? Do you feel hot? Do you feel cold? Does your heart rate go up when you're paying the bill? Do you, is, are you getting choked up? Can you like, how's your breathing? Yeah. Take note of your breathing. What kind of thoughts are you having? Are you thinking to yourself, God, I, I hate paying bills. I, this is so stressful. I, I'm so bad with money. Like this is going to put me back this much, or I don't know what, whatever. Those are sometimes thoughts that I have, you know, <laughs> I don't think I'm bad with money anymore, but I used to, but yeah so just getting really um as in tune as you can with what your body is experiencing what your mind is saying the narratives or the scripts that might be playing i mean oftentimes for me too like going to the grocery store and checking out at the grocery store would cause me a lot of stress like i wouldn't um i started to i started the practice of kind of counting the things as i would go through the grocery store like adding up the amounts of the things in my cart before I got to the register so that it wasn't such a shock when it would be like a hundred dollars. And I'm like, how did I got 10 things? Like, but just adding the things up as I go to like relieve the stress of like the dun 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 of like the amount of money that that is has rung up. And 
Um, so in that moment, noticing how you're feeling as you're shopping, just noticing the thoughts you're thinking and what's your body, what's your body's response to the things that are going on throughout your life and, and dipping your toe in. And then if you need to, I wanted to mention, as you were talking about that kind of hyperactive state and, um, that was how you felt comfortable, I think is what you said, or. Yeah, that's what I was like used to. It was comfortable to me to like things were to be in a chaotic, like unsafe environment. Like that, I got that on lock. I've done that for 18 years, you know? So then when it's like comfortable, I'm like, what the heck is this? There's, there's something wrong here. Oh, right. Like when things don't feel chaotic and it's just kind of like, yeah, Yeah. totally. (laughs) Right. And, and, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and like being, how do you trust that? How can you feel secure in that and not, um, I, I definitely relate to that. Um, but sometimes, uh, it might feel safe to go back to that, like hyperactivity, like, oh no, I have to always be doing something because I mean, also want to like mention the nap ministry, which is always talking about resting mm-hmm. Trisha Hersey, the founder of the nap ministry. Yeah. Always talking about resting, always talking about taking a nap. And I have a really hard time more, I had a really hard time more so before I did this work by like really taking in her words and, and um, con- like just the idea of resting or, or not doing things like what does that, what does that look like? But uh, not guilting yourself or, or feeling even more shame that you can't rest or that you, that it feels hard or scary to rest or to take a break, but honoring yourself and where you're at and knowing um, that's, that's part of it is that if you need to, sometimes it's just developing the awareness first that you might be using a coping mechanism and that's okay. Like they're, they're there for the, for the reason or for a reason that is, that can be serving us too. Like it's, it's not that we never want to use our coping mechanisms because they're there for a reason. And it's totally natural to want to dissociate in this society or to, um, want to just be doing something constantly because I mean sometimes we have to in order to get through whatever it is that we're experiencing but if you are recognizing that you're in a safe place and that there isn't an immediate threat of danger then dipping your toe into that area of like maybe I can just rest and do do nothing today or maybe I can um, feel into my body because I know that that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people and can be really scary and feeling your feelings can feel like such a mm-hmm. weird, vague thing. But I think talking to our friends, if you have a safe, trusted person that you could talk to, to help you, like say that, you know, you could say, I'm, I'm working on feeling my feelings. Can I, can I, can you be my accountability friend or person or something? Or, um, but yeah, I think starting with like the awareness and the headspace could be a great entry point. Yeah as we're trying to work on how, what does tapping into our body look like for us? Yeah. Yeah. I like that you brought up, like, you can start in A or B, like for some people where it's like, it it might be your body feels unsafe or you're disassociated from yourself. Like try just observing, try from the head first and like, you know, trying to remove that shame of like, this is just what I did to survive and there's nothing wrong or right or whatever about it. It's just what happened. And now I'm realizing I want something different and that's okay. Um, and then I like that you said like the other part of it where it's like, now that I'm maybe aware or I'm in the situation that feels like triggering to my body, like 
where my feeling is my body like I know a lot of people who talk about money trauma like you know the roots and like clenching your butthole and like stuff like that like that is such a big thing it's like is my whole body tense right now like what if I stop to like observe what's going on in my body like I'm sitting like hunched over and I'm like my body is like my shoulders are like oh okay what what I'm feeling right now like I'm yeah to this like I'm literally trying to hold on to my money while I'm parking it at the grocery store (laughs) yeah so I think like really trying if the feelings part is hard like yeah trying to see like okay what is the physical sensation that's going on in my body right now or maybe lack of physical sensation right now like am I just somewhere else totally yeah getting into the feelings part I've had people um I've seen I I need to look up like where you buy it from but you don't need to actually buy it but there's this cool video or somebody that I saw like they they had a pillow with like the wheel of emotions on it so that they could like try to the feeling that they were actually feeling but like you can just print those on a piece of paper and I think that's definitely like good if you're like starting to learn and understand because my emotions like my window of emotions that I had all the time was like for everything I would just be like I'm frustrated I'm frustrated I'm just frustrated by this oh I'm frustrated and it's like actually no I'm like deeply hurt by this or no I'm angry by this so it's like starting to like think of like the other emotions and like having them out like in an image in front of you like screenshot on your phone or something I'm like print it out what am I like Um, (laughs) 2000s I'm like print it out on a piece of paper Um, (laughs) I'm like you could just screenshot it Um, like even just looking at that, like mm, this feels more like, you know, like in the frustrated is like the angry one. Oh, do I really feel angry? Like that type of thing. I, I like helping like clients like with that type of stuff. Right. Totally. Um, and like, I like that you said dipping your toe in because something I do with clients too is like, it can feel a lot to like go through these things somatically. So I always tell them like, maybe like set a timer, like I'm going to yeah. feel body and its feelings for five minutes Mm -hmm. or it's like I don't feel like safe enough to do that for like 30 seconds I'm gonna tap in and see what it feels like and then I can go like you said it might feel better to go back to the one that we know and then you can go back so it's like teaching going a little bit at a time Mm -hmm. like 30 minutes and then or 30 seconds and then go back to how I was how I normally do things and then next time maybe I can do 45 seconds and then you're like widening that like threshold of like Oh, okay like that wasn't so bad now I think I can like spend like 20 minutes in this state or whatever absolutely I love that yeah and that's I mean the timer is such a great idea and uh yeah Peter Levine calls that pendulating the yeah. idea of like going in coming out and like that's what we need to do because if we don't do that actually we'll over we'll re-traumatize ourselves if we're gonna just go all in and try to do it and um yeah so absolutely yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people talk about that, especially with like safety and feeling safe. They're like, so how can you feel safe right now? And like, just the word for people is like, mm, I'm not yeah. feeling safe now. <laughs> and yeah. so it's like, you need to go from no safety to safety, like it's like gradual. And I think that can be applied to like everything, especially like with money. Like I don't, I remember when I was, when I was like my first business coach, it was like a lot of like manifestation, like new age stuff. It was like, how can you change your relationship to money? Like maybe right now you feel like your relationship to money is like, you know, you don't like money or you think it's evil or whatever. And it's like, how can you love money? How can money be your best friend? And like, every time I would like try and think that I would just be like, so I would feel like, so in my body. I'm like, I don't like, how do I just like force myself to like love money? You know, like, (laughs) yeah. 
It's a strong word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people like talk about it like that, any type of healing, they're like, oh, so you're here in the shitty part. Like, how can you feel the amazing part? And it's like, what about all this, the middle? Like we're just skipping yeah. over it. And like, yeah. I would do like the affirmations where I'd be like, I love money. I love money. Money loves me. And I would just feel so like cringy, yeah. you know, it'd be like, I, I wouldn't, my body was like, I don't believe this. Like, you're not fooling me for one second. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I like that you're like teaching people it's gradual. It takes time. Like, yeah, it's, feel weird. Like, yeah. And that's, it's, yeah, it's really, I like that you brought that up because it's like, I'm, it reminds me of, I don't know, there's like a nuance there of like, you know, I love and support Cardi B singing about money, you know, like that is awesome. And I want people to get their money. And, and, and at the same time, there's like, I, I feel like it's nuanced when it comes to who's, who the message is coming from right so when it's coming from like a white woman like for me to speak about money in that way would be different and maybe not appropriate because I have access to money as a white cis white cishet white person from an upper middle class background within education and all this it's it's just so different right so depending on the um yeah the identities of the person who is telling you that it's like is that really appropriate I don't know. So saying I love money is, it's always kind of, we got to take into like our position and identities and things like that. I, but it's, there's nothing wrong with saying that. It's just that, um, yeah, I think what you're getting at is that there's also a way that we could just be neutral about money or mm-hmm. it's like, um, it doesn't have to have such a charge in either direction, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe through different parts of our lives, it will be helpful for us to it, it, maybe it is helpful for some people to get to, to get to a point where they feel comfortable saying I love money and then maybe later they're gonna find uh yeah that's not really helpful anymore and I'm just neutral about money it's kind of like I went through a phase of like men are trash and yeah they are trash and the <laughs> cis men are trash but uh and that was really what I focused on for a while in my healing journey when it came to my relationship with men and then now I'm like yeah I still believe that and it's kind of more, <laughs> it's kind of more, uh, it's not necessarily like a prominent thing that I'm always talking about or whatever. And it's more just kind of there always existing in the background, but, um, but it's like, I'm also, uh, like, yeah, like, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like, there's some neutrality that can happen, I guess, when we get to a point in our journeys and then that's okay too. Maybe it's kind of like, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Um, no, I think it's true. Cause I think like that part where you're like, men are trash. Like that's the part where you're like defining your experience. You're like, yeah. actually like people tried to teach me or p- persuade me otherwise. And yeah. like, I'm claiming it. Like men have treated me like garbage and like that can right. be like, you're taking your power back. And now that you've like maybe reached a certain point of like, I feel like I have a certain amount of power, or whatever you were trying to get from like your right. like, men now you're like it I agree it's still true but like I don't need to like exclaim it all the time because I feel like more settled in that right like I can I can like there's been some security that's been developed over time around it maybe yeah definitely I was laughing because there's like a meme about that where it's like 
um me yelling men are trash and then going like you know to curl up against my boyfriend yeah (laughs) (laughs) if my boyfriend doesn't agree that men are trash then there's a problem (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's always like a thing like (laughs) my boyfriend I'm I always sound like you just have to like you're the one who has to like you know be here to stand trial for the sins that all of the men have ever created in all of life. And I'm sorry, that's just like the role that you're going to take in this relationship. And he's like, I know, like, I, I don't understand why men are like this. Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously we're like half joking, but it's still, right. Right. You know, this person hurt me and they were a man. So like, have to get through this somehow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, uh, what was I yeah I think well oh yeah I was gonna go into a tangent about like my prerequisites um about like the dudes that I that I even go on dates with now that um and one of them is that they have to agree with me on that <laughs> that men are trash but a lot of other things too and the list just keeps going the more that I go on these horrible dates I'm not I'm not doing the date thing right now it's <laughs> had plenty I've had enough but yeah 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 but I really I actually think like that kind of mentality like it'd be cool to transfer that to like how you feel about money because I think yeah I never considered that before that I was like you know all these men have hurt me so now like my body doesn't feel safe around men so this is what I'm healing and so I'm claiming that and like the the partner you know I've only had one long-term partner we've been for almost nine years together so I wouldn't you can insert partners whatever part of the journey you're at um you know has to be the one to like help me like unlearn that or help me feel safe and and like that's just the reality of it like my body can't change that you know um and so like what happened to me but like moving forward and then like I think that could also be applied to money of like maybe you have like men are trash maybe you have like your statement about money you know right you know money like hurt me or like lack yeah. of money hurt me or the system that values money like right and like you know saying that kind of stuff can like be really healing and then realizing like oh it's not me you know like being bad at money or something it's right whatever this thing and my body just feels like unsafe around money or my body feels this around money and now I'm like working on that I think that would be absolutely oh totally yeah I love that you made that connection because yeah I went I mean this is what happened when I Um, And for a lot of us, I think is that like we, especially those of us who are really trying to align with our anti-capitalist values is that we don't want to participate in the system. And so that was really hard for me. I went through a period of time where I was like, I'm just going to nanny and, and for the rest of my life and give all my money away because I don't want to participate, but I'm going to give it away to people who actually need it. And because I have all these privileges, like I don't deserve money or something like that. And I think that it's um Chani Nicholas I love this quote and I might it might not be an exact quote but along these lines that we can't heal inside of capitalism unless we have the material means to do so so that goes for all of us and we we need to make money and we all deserve to have money we need money to live in capitalism and we all deserve to be well resourced and that's so at the like to go back to what you were saying and make that connection between like the men are trash and like money is evil, you know, like money is bad, money is evil or I, and, and fuck, fuck money or something like that makes sense. And there's a way that we can be in relationship with money that isn't glorifying it maybe, or yeah. isn't worshiping it, but also isn't, we're not also rejecting 
rejecting our relationship with it because we do need it. And so how can we develop a relationship that is like maybe neutral if that feels good for us or um, because yeah. Uh, yeah, and I that that's what happened when I was building Terra Incognita Media was like, I am trying to build this thing. I want to, uh, I have placements in my second house. Like it's really important for me to be an entrepreneur. And it's really important for me. I've always wanted to do work and make money around things that I feel passionate about and like that are core to my identity. Uh, but it was, it's really hard for me to figure out how do I do that and make money in this capitalist society. And I would reject money in a way without, without blaming ourselves too though because you know of course these are systems that are influencing our thinking and it's not the individual's fault for our financial situation ever but um but yeah so i would i would think that like uh, yeah money is bad money is evil i'm rejecting money and then um had to heal the 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 narrative that i don't deserve to be well fed well nourished well resourced have a healthy, have a healthy bank account or whatever that is for me uh, to meet my needs and more because there's a trauma of money mo uh, motto is there's enough to go around and more, but these systems create real and uh, real and manufactured scarcity. Mm -hmm. We have more than enough in the earth provides us with more than enough resources and it's up to us to protest those systems and to do what we can to create a world where resources are more are distributed more equitably. And in the meantime, we need to figure out how we can keep ourselves resourced as we fight for that world. Yeah. Yeah, there's like two things that came up that I like what you said, like with the idea of like money and neutrality and when you said like not worshiping money because I think like a lot of like money stuff like worships money like like you're talking about like a lot of rap music worships money but like I was also thinking about like that new age thing where it's like money is an energy and you just have to get on the frequency of like money to like get money and like have it flow to you yeah that's like very like worshiping money it's like yeah this at a higher level than you and, right like, you have to get to it right I, I I think like what I was seeing was you know, with the neutrality, it really is about power. It's about who has the power. Like if I'm feeling neutral, that I'm feeling like money doesn't have power over me. Right. Right. Yeah. And I like that you were saying like not worshiping it. Cause that's like giving money more power than you. And like, maybe it's about like changing the power dynamics. I don't know. I think like looking at it from that perspective of saying like, I want to change the power dynamics between me and money where like I'm, and, and mm -hmm. I know like still acknowledging, like you were saying, like all the systems that we exist in, like there is stuff. Right. Like maybe there is more power and I won't have access to that power based off right. like your economic background or my ethnic background or things like that. Totally. But like looking at the power systems between like everything that exists around your money and your life could be like really healing too, to just understand, okay, that money's always going to, you know, have power over me because I'm like a queer person because I'm a, like a, a BIPOC person or whatever. And then like writing that out and saying like, so that's not my fault. Like, how can we work around this? How can I create more power here in this part that I have control over? Like things like that. Like I was saying right. that like that could totally be like a different format. Cause I think even the neutral idea people are like, how do I get to a neutral place? But if you like put like a, okay, I'm here and money is here. So how do we make the power scale like a little better? Right. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. That's so on point. And like, that makes me think about going back to this and this idea of being in a relationship 
with men <laughs> because like I that was something that I worked through in therapy a lot was like how do I feel I, I feel like I have less power than my my partner and this uh and and just in you know encountering cis men in general in the world it's like how do I feel like I uh my therapist was like working with me on on figuring out like how I can reclaim or access my power in these situations that I wasn't recognizing I did have power in and uh it was, it's interesting and kind of tricky to describe and talk about, but I think you just did a really great job of that, but that it's not, cause it can almost lean into like, oh, I don't, I don't want anyone to gaslight themselves and be like, oh no, I, I like, there are situations where we don't have power in these, in certain situations. Uh, but with, when I think about my relationship with my ex, uh, cis dude, who was safe and who was someone who really cared and was a safe person and, and I trusted them, like in what ways, I, there were ways that I had power in that situation and I wasn't recognizing it. And so I think when it comes to our money, there are ways in which we do have power when it comes to our money, but we might not be recognizing it, not to any fault of our own, but just because we are taught to, we're conditioned to uh, behave or to, we have these conditioned responses to things in our lives that are due to trauma or due to the systems that we live within. And so to come back to ourselves and to recognize the ways in which we might have power in places that we didn't realize that we, we aren't maybe recognizing. Yeah. 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 It's like that whole like thing where like the elephant, if you like tie it to the post when it's a baby, then when it grows up, it has like all it can, it's strong enough to break free of the post, but it, because it grew up with the post there, it just never tries to, cause it just like accepts it. It's, it's like that type of thing. I've never heard of that metaphor, but yeah, that sounds yeah. applicable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a real thing. Like they do that to elephants. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh my yeah, God. Like, like totally. yeah. People who like use elephants for like, you know, riding them for shit like that. When they're babies, they tie them to the post and then they're not strong enough. But when they're older, they're like elephants are hella strong. And it's like a little like stick post and they won't like try and break free because they like think like, oh, I can't. So yeah. (laughs) Everywhere. They do it to us everywhere. Um, Wow. Yeah. Um, or like your brain, you can bite off your finger if you wanted to, but your brain like stops you from thinking that it's possible. But like to actually bite your finger is just like biting a carrot. That's what it feels like. But our brain <laughs> is like not do it because it would be like bad for us to bite our fingers off. Yeah. I just know all random facts like this, but <laughs> that's fascinating. Uh, yeah. I've, I've noticed that there's like some power in my in my bite sometimes I'm like wow <laughs> that doesn't surprise yeah. me <laughs> yeah it would be like as easy as biting a carrot but like we our brain is like no no you can't do that you know so um fascinating yeah those are some like weird <laughs> science metaphors for people <laughs> well this is witchy and weird yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's on yeah. oh, I love that oh so the second thing was like when you're talking about Chani and like that we can't heal unless we have the resources and how you were saying like when you were when you were um creating like terra incognita was like I don't deserve this I'm pushing away like what the resources that I need like I was thinking about um like this I forgot who said it but there was somebody that I followed that was saying you know like they always tell you like um you know to heal your money wounds or to heal your money trauma like you need you need to like change your mindset and do all this stuff and then they were saying you know like sometimes like the, or they said the thing that helped me heal my money wounds the most was like having access to money 
like yeah I could like see like this is actually what it feels like to be resourced to have right. my needs met and now yeah. I stand more or accept it or whatever healing needs to take place and so I think it's also like really nice that you're like kind of like grounded in that reality too that it's like we are shifting things and it's not just about the mindset it's like the body and the resources and like taking into account like everything as like a holistic like image or whatever word you want to use yeah totally absolutely yeah (sighs) yeah I could I that makes me think about another like (laughs) relationship metaphor but I won't go into that (laughs) that tangent but yeah Yeah. no I love that I think I think this conversation like has like bridged a lot of gaps for me because I love how you keep bringing up like relationship to men and like I think a lot of people could probably benefit from that where it's like, you know, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And so like, if it's easier for us to understand this facet of our life, because we've done a lot of work in that facet of our life where we understand it and then like apply that concept to another facet of our life that we feel really overwhelmed or anxious. Like that's kind of how I'm seeing it where I'm like, oh, these metaphors you're telling me about men, like, oh, instantly clicking, making sense for me. And I'm like, I could just apply that same thing to how I view money. Right. I'm like feeling nebulous and like weird about it, you know? So I love that. Yeah. And that kind of brings me back to that whole story about the horrible Tinder date where it was like the, and I had to access my window of regulation. So for anyone, I guess I can kind of circle back to (laughs) the, to the window of regulation and explain it to folks who might not know it, even though it sounds like you talk about it. Yeah, I've talked about it a few times, but go ahead. Okay, okay. So so folks differently and might click better for somebody. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, the way that I kind of was uh I conceptualize it is there's like a scale of one to ten. Is this how you do it? No, no. Talk about okay. So there's a scale of one to ten, and on the one to four in the one to three range is the uh hypoactivity. So you're feeling shut down you might not be able to like get off the couch or just feeling maybe you're feeling numb it's hypo activity and then the four to seven range is when you are in your window of regulation you're feeling grounded you feel like you are attuned to your body and your needs and you can make clear cognitive decisions in that area so the one to three and then on the other end, the seven to 10 is when we're in the hypo or hyperactive states. And that's in when our survival brain is activated and uh, our, our uh, front, the frontal cortex is, isn't, is offline when we're in a state of trauma. So we can't, we actually cannot physically make, literally cannot make cognitive discerning choices when we're in these fight or flight, freeze fawn responses. So to try to budget your money or to try to think about the next step in your business, if you're in one of these uh, extreme extremes, the, uh, the, this, the trauma triggered state like that, that will not work for you. So you're going to need to, the priority if you're in one of those extremes is to, to work towards being resourced and to work towards getting mm-hmm. as close as you can into your window of regulation. And then the yeah, the seven to 10 range is the hyperactivity. So you're uh, like obsessively thinking about a worry or a stress or you're just doing, doing, doing. Uh, you're feeling really anxious. So just really hyperactive and feel like you can't, can't really come down or calm down. So yeah, so that's the window of regulation is trying to find that. And so to go back to my example of this horrible Tinder date, I applied the window of regulation to that date because uh, this, this guy was just going on about 
something horrible and I was like really not having it but I but as he was talking because he just was talking and talking and trying to defend himself and I was just observing you know and in the past I would have probably gotten probably heightened and I probably would have and that's fine like I think I think this is where we have choice we get to decide like but in the past my go-to response to a toxic masculine douchebag would have been to just be immediately heightened and just like respond with like fury and anger and like um and that was just my go-to response that also has a lot comes with a lot of privilege being a white person and all of that um and want to recognize that so um as someone with a mars sun conjunct like combust like that was my go-to response was just anger and fury and what I realized in that moment was like, yeah, I could make that choice. I, I tried to resource myself as I was feeling my body get hotter and I, and uh, feeling also simultaneously feeling myself shut down because I wanted to tap out. I wanted to like completely dissociate from this horrible conversation and the words that this guy was saying. And then I uh, was just sitting there observing and thinking about it. I'm like, what do I want to do in this moment? And I was like, I'm going to speak out loud to him that I'm having this experience. And I just said, hey, I'm like, I'm feeling shut down. And you seem to get, you're being, you're getting heightened. Like he was getting heightened in this conversation that we were disagreeing about. And then, um, and I, yeah, eventually we just ended it. We're like, yeah, this isn't working. And then we like, well, he said, hey, yeah, this isn't working. And then um, it was like, cause he was just, on another level of like over like hyperactivity and not in his window of regulation <laughs> but I was proud of myself because I was able to stay in my window of regulation and I made the cognitive choice to keep myself um I probably was at like a three or in the and then I got myself into like I was like in the three or four kind of range but I really easily could have gotten into the seven to ten range but I was like this isn't worth it for me right now and uh this is a new experience for me to be shut down because usually I get that hyperactive mm. state but I just I was okay with being with exploring that feeling of being shut down I was okay with that and even though it really didn't I didn't like it and I and I didn't appreciate that this person put me in that place, but it did tell me something. The, the, the feelings that we have and the when we're noticing the experiences that we have in our body, it's all brilliant and it's all giving us information. Mm -hmm. And so the information I was getting was that this guy is not safe for me to connect with anymore. I don't wanna connect with him. It's not a connection I wanna make going forward. And in the future, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna reach out to him. You know, I'm not gonna try to pursue this relationship. And, um, but maybe in the past I would have thought, oh, there's something wrong with me. There's something like I did something bad because this person is having this reaction or, or whatever, but yeah, just to, I sat with myself and I realized like my body is telling me something and, and this isn't a situation that I want to be in anymore. And I'm going to honor that. I'm not going to pretend like it's okay that he's acting like this or that he's saying these things. I'm not going to, I'm going to say I'm feeling shut down. And then he responded and said, yeah, this isn't working. And then we parted ways and uh, that was that and just walked kind of in the same direction actually because our cars were parked in the same area. <laughs> but yeah it was an interesting experiment to just um so how can we like yeah apply that I think healing our trauma of money like healing any trauma it happens wherever we're at like all the time and, and these are skills and and it's a practice of healing that we can apply anywhere we are that we can um, find ways to resource ourselves and to tap into our agency and power in ways that we might not expect. And that was one of them where I was like, I don't even like, cause in the past I would have thought, Oh, he, 
for me to have power in the situation, I have to have the last word or I have to be, make myself big. And I, and that's fine. Sometimes we do have to do that. I'm not, there's no right or wrong way to react to situations where we're not feeling safe or, um, or any, any, you know, you know, what's best for you in, in the moment. And there's so, but just in the situation, I was like, I felt pretty powerful to just name what I was feeling and to walk away and not respond to his text the next day. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that that's really cool. Cause like you're saying, it's a practice. So when we have the privilege, we can practice doing, this is what I tell like my clients too, is like, you know, practice this thing for smaller stuff, like practice it for things that doesn't feel like, yeah. you know, do I, do I use this, you know, tool or decision-making like for deciding if I'm going to invest in a new car, like something that feels like really big right. where I can practice it on smaller stuff. Like, do I buy this apple at the grocery store if it's not in my budget? Or like you were saying, like for like a date where maybe like, I don't want to speak for you, but like generalizing, it's like the risk isn't as large as like something else where, right. or we'd be like having a meltdown and like, we didn't, wouldn't know how to do it or something like that would happen. And so I like that you're saying like, I, I practice it for this and it might seem unrelated, but it's actually like totally related. Like the more we can practice doing those skills of like the somatic experiencing and understanding our threshold and like, then we'll get used to it. So then when it comes to stuff that we can't avoid, or we don't have the privilege to just like opt out of like money stuff um, in capitalism then we can be like oh I had so much practice like with my dating with my friends with my daily life and now that it comes to this big scary money thing like I think like I've had enough practice that I can like try and use it here too and so like I just I always like saying that because I think sometimes people are like why are we talking about this like this has nothing to do with money it's like no it does like we we have to practice like it like it uh like the term practice it's a life practice like we're practicing how to experience life in the way that we would best want to or we think is best for us at any given moment so yeah and when it applies to our businesses it's like like how could you apply that if you're talking to someone about your rates or if you're saying this is how much I charge for this event so if like um you're doing astrology readings for an event or somebody is asking you about like your coaching rates or your reading like how much you charge for a reading whether it's like in passing or in dms or email or in person that's usually when this feels kind of the most scary i think is when it's face to face and so practicing that and and not shaming yourself if you're like oh i didn't do it i i totally stumbled on my words or i totally like just just afterwards like resourcing yourself after that conversation and and thinking about how yeah you could um or in the moment you know trying to slow down time because white the, the thing that I do all the time in my life too is that I just try to slow down time like in all my conversations whether it's talking to someone at the climbing gym or my parents that still trigger the hell out of me to this day or like or when I'm talking to someone about money is that I'll like, or my rates is I'll try to slow down my speech. I'll try to slow down my, my breathing. And I might, if, uh, or, you know, in the past negotiating rates as a nanny and talking to people face-to-face people who are often my, like older than me. And, uh, or, you know, I've done, I've done events and, and workshops where people will ask me my, my rates recently. And I, 
will have to slow down my breathing and get present and remind myself that I'm safe in that moment. And that's something that, yeah, is practiced throughout these other little low, um, low risk times that we can, we can practice that. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And even that like practice, that idea is like very anti-capitalist because like we're taught, you know, we only go to the doctor when like our appendix is bursting. We right. So like when we're starting to feel a small minor pain in our abdomen. Yeah, and totally. So that's what we're doing is like we're we're training ourselves to do it in these low risk right. times that doesn't feel necessary or whatever, it feels stupid or like superfluous or whatever but then it's like preparing ourselves for like that larger thing when it is a huge issue and I think that can be hard for a lot of people to like to get me I know with my ADHD it's like hard it's like what do you mean I have to elect to try and do this thing when there's no like pressure external pressure around me to do it but yeah it's I, I always the way I like get behind it or like hack into my myself into like believing into it is like I'm like past like current me or past me is going to set up future me for success you know like yeah that's the relationship I'm like buying into is like if I do this thing now that seems hard or seems like I don't want to do it because I don't see why it's important right now like future me is going to be like thank you thank you for this (laughs) yes (laughs) absolutely like I always yeah that's my my goals is to prep food for my future me (laughs) yes exactly yeah like I love that when you're like, oh, I'm going to put this here because I know in the future I'll need it. And then you're like, where's that thing? Mm, I remember past me, set me up. They, they put it away so that I would be able to find it. You know, right. like that. <laughs> yeah. So um, hopefully that helps people like get on board. I know it's like sometimes hard. It's like, oh, maintaining a practice or doing a thing. It's like, it's, it's go slowly. Just keep trying, just keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. This I know is- that. Oh. Yeah. I know that we're, I don't know. I, I know we could um I, just something that I wanted to mention before when it came to the two main things about um healing money trauma was addressing and confronting shame and then um the window of regulation and when it comes to shame a powerful question that I was taught to ask through the trauma of money program was whose shame is this mm-hmm. and when it so thinking about that situation with this dude is like I might have felt a lot of shame around his reaction to me but externalizing that reaction and and being like, this actually has nothing to do with me. This response that I'm getting from this person has nothing to do with me. That's not for me to hold. And I would have maybe internalized it and felt a lot of shame. Been like, I did something bad because this person's angry at me or this person's reacting to me in this way. When it comes to money, I know that I've carried a lot of shame around my debt. Like I racked up $14,000 of debt and credit card debt because of a lot of choices due to like, investing in ongoing education or sometimes shopping. And, and I, now I understand what, why I made those decisions and, um, or a variety of things like living in so-called Portland, Oregon, and having to make trips home to prioritize my family, to see them for holidays or babies being born and things like that. And so, um, to not shame yourself for the decisions that you've made with your money and to, to contextualize, I think contextualizing ourselves in, 
in our in the systems that we live within that make it really difficult for us to have access to the resources and the money we need to live our lives and to keep the connections we want to keep with people to access the education that we want to have um and the resources like like bills like having our lights on and, and having air conditioning or whatever it is so that we can ask ourselves if we're feeling shame around our money or the choices we've made with money whose shame is this oftentimes for me it, it's not my shame and I can think about all the decisions I've made that have mostly been out of things that I value or that I want and then I realize that desire is based in something that you know, I can think about where that desire came from and I can have compassion for myself if it's something that maybe wasn't for my long-term benefit like buying two hundred dollars like of clothes like that I don't wear like maybe I can think of, uh, have compassion for myself to um the, the, the person who thought if I bought these clothes, I would be taken more seriously as a coach yeah. <laughs> something. instead of feeling shame about that decision. I can think, I understand where that came from. And then um, something that I know we don't have time to get into, but I, I absolutely think that inner child parenting or uh, inner child work and, and reparenting ourselves is also a huge part of healing our money trauma. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Like the shame the piece, like I always, like, I do like a version of that too, where it's like the shoulds, I should do this. I yeah. should do that. Whose belief is that? Where is right. that? Like, I like her asking yeah. like, whose shame is this? Like, is this like a external societal thing that I was like raised with? Or is this like something I learned from my parents or, or stuff like that? Like it's, it's not maybe a direct reflection of me. It, it's just something that I chose to believe in or, you know, stuff like that. That is like super powerful. Um, and like, even like how you're talking about on that date, like, it's not me, it's not a reflection of me, like, right. just what I had learned in the past, like, especially if you're like hyper independent, then you're like immediate thing is like, it's my fault, because I'm the only one who's doing everything. And I'm solely responsible for me. And I can't let anyone help me, you know, like that type of like, when you can understand your attachment theory, and like how that shows up in your life then you can realize, oh, it's actually not my fault. Like, it's just like, it's the reality of the situation that I don't have enough money for things. And, you know, I shouldn't feel shameful for that. Um, right. And the other thing that I want to bring up too, is like the, sh the societal shame of like being poor, like, right. like the stigma of like being poor. Oh, you're poor. It's bad. Oh, you must've done something wrong with your life or you're like lazy, like all these like right. negative, like <clears throat> narratives about not having enough money. And like, understanding that yeah maybe that didn't come from me maybe that was somebody else you know like society taught me that or capitalism taught me that and like stuff like yeah so good totally yeah yeah inner child work too I, that's like my bread and butter that's mostly what I help clients with and because we learn so much from our parents like you said that's yeah. an age we're like understanding how the world works we're forming like like a framework for how to view the world and that mostly comes from like our parental units so yeah there can be tons of healing yeah I I had to learn that the hard way like I grew up like hearing like we don't have money for that we don't have money for that oh we don't have enough money for that oh are you going to use your right. money for that like oh you know like and then when you get older like you find yourself saying we don't have money for this we don't have money for this <laughs> Totally. Uh, yeah so there's there's tons of like money story I like to call it like money story like what's the yeah. narrative I was taught and like telling it like a story as opposed to like it's me you know 
Oh yeah. And it's literally wired into the grooves of our brain, like these narratives. It's like, and so when we think about the idea of the affirmations that your coach was telling you, it's like that I love money affirmations, like those affirmations aren't necessarily bad. Like it's not that affirmations don't work or that visualization isn't helpful, but it's just that there are, there's so much more to it than that. And there's like that, that can be an element of it that can be helpful. So we don't want to dismiss that and that um, changing the narrative and thinking like, so yeah, like you're saying, like something that I um, work through with folks is like, what is, what are your beliefs? What are the beliefs that you have about money? Like I, whatever they are, like acknowledge them, list them out. And then what do you want to believe about money? What are the core beliefs you want to have about money? How do you want to feel with money? And like naming that, and that might change as you are on this healing journey, but yeah. Yeah. So good. (laughs) I feel like we're just going to keep going, but um. I know, (laughs) I know. Um, so where can people find you um how can people work with you um I know and then I'll put all the stuff in the show notes because I know you sent like that link and stuff like that but yeah um what's your Instagram your website any stuff you have going on feel free yeah okay um I so my website is erinkmonahan.com and my Instagram is at erin.k.monahan and I'm actually going to be hosting a free workshop coming up called Money and Anti-Capitalist Entrepreneurship on October 15th. Um, I'm not quite sure of the time yet, but that is something that is free to attend. And then I'm also going to be opening back up Vesta Business School, which is my 12-week hybrid group and one-on-one coaching program for anti-capitalist spiritual entrepreneurs who want to build businesses that are aligned with their values and heal their money trauma and relationship with self-worth and resources. And I also want to, yes, just say that anybody who's listening gets 50% off my workshop, my recorded workshop, Healing Money Trauma 101. And uh, there's going to be like all the things that we talked about, we'll go deeper into that in that workshop. And there's also a free um, little like mini talk training, I guess, casual kind of talk training that I give. Um, If uh, folks want to access that, they can go to the link in my bio and it's called Embodied Healing Strategies for Anti-Capitalist Entrepreneurs. Um, So yeah, that's all that, yeah. Yeah. So I'll link all that. And then, yeah, Aaron sent me like a special link if you want like the half off on that course. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, I love, I love connecting with other people that like, I don't know, I, I don't want to use the term, like you're with it. Like <laughs> I think of like Austin Powers, like Dr. Lee's, like I'm hip, I'm with it. Like, that's so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah Um, thank you so much for coming on and like having awesome talk and yeah until next time everyone goodbye thanks if you love witchy and weird podcasts support us by donating monthly for as little as 99 cents at anchor.fm slash witchy and weird slash support you can cancel at any time and 100 percent of the proceeds go directly to the pod 
Or if you don't want to commit to a monthly donation, buy a coffee at ko-fi.com slash wishyandweird to help fuel them while they record, edit, create, and upload content for the podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell your witchy and weird friends about us too. Bye!